everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Claire Siegel, who is the founder of Nutritional Freedom, a company that helps individuals ditch diets and get healthy for good. She was also previously the senior manager of product and nutrition and the lead dietitian at Snap Kitchen. Thanks so much for joining us today, Claire. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I want to start by going back about two years ago. You're a senior leader at an extremely successful nutrition company based here in Austin. There's over probably 200 employees at the time at this company, and you make the decision to start your own business. What surprised you the most about that journey thus far? Oh my gosh, what what hasn't surprised me? <laughs> um, Wow. Well, I think, you know, initially I was really surprised by the fact that it worked. Um, you know, I, I have been, so while I was at Snap Kitchen, I was also blogging on the side. That was just a passion project of mine that I started in, in college. Um, and so I think now looking back, I recognize that that was something that was really pivotal in, you know, the ultimate success of nutritional freedom but I was kind of expecting the first stage of business building entrepreneurship to be, um, I guess, a little bit harder than it was. I didn't really understand the value that I had kind of created by building trust with my audience for so many years, blogging for you know six, seven years without ever you know offering any sort of service or, or business. And so when I did leave Snap Kitchen and start Nutritional Freedom you know, there, we, we got quite a bit of traction um, to, to begin with. And I think that was, um, you know, it wasn't, I, I, I want to say it was lucky, but it wasn't lucky. I, I worked really hard to build that relationship, but not necessarily with the intention of, of starting a business. So I think that was kind of the initial surprise. And then of course, um, the surprise came later that you have to keep that, you know, we have, we, we work now to like keep that momentum up. Um, so it's interesting you know, I think whereas most businesses start with the audience building, we had that um, in place already. And now it's like continuing that momentum and kind of learning that process, you know, 12, 18 months into the business. Hmm. What, what have you found to be the ways to build trust most successfully with an audience? You talked about the, the blogging and then kind of pivoting the, the audience you've built into now as a small business and audience that you can continue to cultivate. Are there any other ways that you've found that people are really receptive to that trust building component? Yeah, I mean, for us, it just always comes down to being being honest, being vulnerable. I mean, I certainly make no... Um, I don't, I don't lie to my audience and make it seem like I'm perfect or have it all figured out. Um, so I think it's a really fine line of being, you know, aspirational um, and then also being human and people really connect to that. Um, I think especially in 2020, we're really, we're really smart when we're being marketed to, we, we know what to look for and we know when things don't feel quite right. And so um, for myself and, and also, you know, our, our marketing team, it's, it's really about, being both, you know, how do we be both aspirational and, and honest and real and, and vulnerable? So our, our show is really focused on leadership. And one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you is because there are many things that make a great leader, but given your experience and focus, part of what I wanted to get at is why is nutrition and health 
such a vital component of successful leadership. There's a lot of stress associated with starting your own thing and your thing is focused on health and wellness. Can you talk a little bit about why you think those are key components of anybody's life, but maybe specifically as people who are dependent on as leaders? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that was a huge part of kind of the motivating force and inspiration for nutritional freedom. I saw the ways in which dieting and, you know, body insecurity and body image concerns really, you know, all those things really hold people back in their lives as a whole, whether it's their romantic relationships, their social relationships, and of course, in their career. You know, if you're second guessing yourself because you don't have that, um, you know, high level of self-worth and value because of the relationship you have with your body, it's going to hold you back in your leadership. So there's, you know, a a huge amount of leadership that really has to do with your self-worth and your confidence, right? It takes a confident person to feel like, okay, I have the competence and ability to lead a team. And if those body concerns are, are coming up or if your relationship to food is problematic, that can, can be something that can really hold you back oftentimes at a subconscious level. And then of course, there's the, the, the physical health aspect of it, right? Where you have to take care of yourself to have the energy and focus and clarity of mind to lead a team. And so it really is, I mean, we talk in the program all the time about how health is not, it's not just physical, it's also mental, emotional, and spiritual. And that's really what we do in nutritional freedom is kind of cover the, the, both the breadth and the depth of what health means. And we see all the time in our clients, how that has this perhaps for them unintended effect on how they show up at work. Hmm. So that's a really kind of fascinating thing that I want to dive into because a lot of the posts that your organization does and some of the most popular ones are built around goal setting, which I think is critically important, you know, in the kitchen or around health, but it's also kind of important outside of the kitchen as well. Any tips or tricks or strategies to allow people to kind of operate at their full potential from a goal setting perspective? Yeah, I think one of the biggest distinctions, and I see this happening all the time around around work and specifically um, career or work-related goals, is we only set outcome-based goals. So I know when I was at Snap Kitchen, I had a big goal to get a promotion. And man, I worked so hard to get that promotion. And I was ultimately told because of budgetary constraints and X, Y, and Z, that that was not going to be possible. And I remember feeling absolutely crushed by that because especially for me, like I'm a type A, um, I'm an achiever, I'm an Enneagram three, like that was really crushing for me. I'm not used to setting goals and not achieving them. And so that was a a really key moment for me to recognize the difference between an outcome-based goal and a behavior-based goal. And it's really important, I think, to set both, right? So yes, you can set outcome-based goals around promotion, around salary, comp, things like that. But you also have to recognize that you are not the only one um, who kind of factors into those decisions and those outcomes, right? Getting a promotion is not a behavior, whereas, you know, taking on new projects, doing X number of sales calls, this amount of outreach, those are the behavior-based goals that you have far more agency and autonomy over. And, you know, we see it again in career goals and in health goals that we want to, we want to set both. It's really great to aim high and, um, you know, seek out these 
these outcomes, but you also want to make sure when you're goal setting that you're giving yourself, you're setting yourself up for success by having really clear, actionable behavior goals as well. Hmm. One thing that's kind of interesting and timely is a good chunk of us are, are working from home with either complete regularity or much more regularity than we, we used to in the past. Is there anything from a health perspective or from an efficiency goal perspective that we should be considering given that a lot of our worlds have been turned upside down um, with some of the global health issues going on? Yeah, we actually just created a whole course called Healthy at Home that's all about kind of creating structure and implementing habits and routines around your health when it comes to, as we say, like living, working, and everythinging from home. Um, I've heard from so many people on social media, and we've done a little bit of corporate wellness work recently, you know, people are really struggling with a lack of structure. And so my you know, initial point is always to like kind of check that that statement or frankly, a limiting belief. It's not structure that you're lacking. It's a lack of externally imposed structure. And what that creates is a huge opportunity for internally imposed structure, which is incredible. I think for so many of us, we've spent the last you know, a few years, five, 10 years, however long you've been working, feeling like, man, if I just had the time, if I just had more control over how I spend my day, well, now, you know, you have it. And so kind of wrapping your mind around, this is an amazing, you know, not to, not to detract from, for sure, the times are tough right now. And I don't want to detract from that at all or minimize it, but, you know, yes, times are tough and we have so many unique opportunities because of the very, you know, interesting um, circumstances we're in right now. So how can you create internally imposed structure for your health in the context of working from home um, and, and recognizing that, you know, you need to create a supportive structure, not a black and white rigid framework that, you know, is motivated by like perfectionistic thoughts. It's really about kind of meeting yourself in the middle and setting yourself up for, for success. So that can mean really small things, going on walks, um, being thoughtful about your meals, committing to, you know, three square meals a day versus grazing from your pantry all day long. Those are the, the, the small changes that really, really add up and can give you that, that energy, that focus and that structure that you need to show up for yourself in a way that, makes you proud. All right. Grazing from the pantry resonated a little bit with me. So I'm, I'm going to move us to, you have this super unique perspective, which is you were a leader at a small but growing, extremely successful company here in Austin. Now you're the leader of a small, relatively new company. What have you learned about yourself as a leader in terms of what was necessary to be successful in a more fully functioning organization and necessary to be successful when it really does, the buck kind of stops with you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I think the, the learning curve of really stepping into leadership has been the most rewarding and the most challenging thing that I've probably ever done or ever gone through. And it's one that I recognize like will continue, you know, I, I imagine throughout the rest of my, my life. Um, so I, I think I've really learned the difference between working in and working on the business as I've grown my team and we have a, a small team. Um, but I've really had to focus more on, you know, working on the business, which is a totally different set of tools and considerations than when I started and when we were first figuring out, okay, what is this coaching call going to be about? Now I'm thinking about, 
you know, now that much of that is, is settled or it's, you know, in the hands of my amazing team members. And I recognize my role is driving vision. It's driving culture. Um, and that is, like I said, a different, a totally different set of tools and skills that, you know, I'll be honest, I'm very much still learning, but super inspired by. And so that's been a, a fun journey um, for sure in the last, I don't know, year uh, or so. So you talked about outcome-based goals, which was a, a nice way to, to frame it. Um, and your kind of firm in many ways talks a lot about goal settings with individuals. Can you take us behind the curtain? How do you think about goal setting as an organization when you think about where you want to be 6, 12, 18, 24 months from here? Yeah. So one of the, I would say the best things I did as a leader um, and in terms of like kind of creating the operational schema of the business is read Traction by Gina Wickman. And it offered a really wonderful framework for goal setting, for kind of establishing vision, things like that. So we really follow that rhythm. So we started the year with an annual meeting in which we talked about the 10-year vision, three-year vision, and one-year vision. And then based on that one-year vision, we created what's called quarterly rocks for the business. And that's, you know, three to seven goals that we have for the business. And it's, it's a mix of more um, outcome-based goals and then also more action-based goals. And then, so we have those as a business. And then every team member sets their own rocks that are in service of our quarterly rocks as a business. And that's kind of the, the rhythm that we go through, you know, once a quarter, we come back together, we review our rocks, we set new ones and, and keep moving from there. Um, and of course, adjusting and, and pivoting um, as needed. And that's been something we've definitely had to go through in the last couple of months, given current circumstances. Um, but it's a really great way to to keep everyone, you know, on board with the vision. We also go through our values at, at that time. And so it's a good time to come together and really keep, keep the mission, keep the why and keep the vision front of mind when I'm, I'm sure, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in, in the day to day of, of running a business. Hmm. It definitely is. And, and if you, if I could um, hypothetically turn the clock back, is there anything you would tell yourself two years ago about maybe the risk that you were taking or how to be more prepared for it or anything that would help this process, even though it has been successful to date? Yeah, I mean, I think for, for us, and this is, I, I recognize this is probably not the norm. We were, we were really successful out the gate because of, um, you know, the, the audience that had, we had built uh, over the last six or seven years from blogging and, you know, kind of recognizing that we need to be, continue to be hungry in terms of, you know, continuing to, to grow our audience in a really strategic way. And so that's something we've, um, you know, brought back in as a, as a priority in the business. I think we were really lucky to not have to focus on that so much at the beginning. And we're able to really just create a, a working, you know, high value business model for our clients. And now, you know, we're, we're kind of reconfiguring what does marketing look like for us? And what does it look like to grow our audience? And um, that's been, it's been fun. And I, I wish, you know, I kind of wish we had started it earlier. That would probably be my, my time machine hmm. <laughs> um, uh, well, journey. That is a great spot to end this part of the conversation and move to our rapid fire questions, um, which we ask all of our guests. And the first one is this. Um, if you could describe your own leadership style in one word, what would that word be? Ooh, my leadership style in one word. 
I would, I would say compassionate. I, I think I, and I, I hope um, that I offer my team members a lot of perspective and, and understanding in terms of their, you know, desires and goals. And, you know, that's been something really cool to get to explore. And, and, you know, who knows in a year that that word may evolve, but right now compassionate feels like the, the right one. Perfect. And the last rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Oh my gosh, the best piece of advice that I have ever received. You know, this, I, I, this was not directly given to me. I wish I could say it was, but it's um, Glennon Doyle, um, who wrote Untamed, among many other books, but her, her most recent book, Untamed, has been such a powerful message for me very recently. But she has one line in the book that says, the braver I am, the luckier I get. And, you know, as we've, you know, evolved as a business, it you know, taking risks, taking risks as a business feels riskier now that we have a team. But I remember just getting started. It was true. The more risks I took, the braver I was, the luckier I got. And reading that just a few months ago was such a good reminder um, that, you know, as so, so much of what we do as business owners is taking, you know, calculated risks and, getting to, to, at the very least, learn from it. Um, and of course, uh, the, the best case scenario is that you, you get really lucky and, and it furthers your growth. Well, compassionate leadership and bravery, I like it. Thanks so much for joining us today, Claire. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Absolutely. Our website is nutritionalfreedom.co. Um, I'm on Instagram at Claire underscore Siegel. And Matt, I think you and I launched podcasts at around the same time. So you can also find us on Apple iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we are at the Nutritional Freedom Podcast. Well, thank you for all the great insight. And thank you to all our great listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share this show and any of our shows with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer, and you can find our organization Ability, that is A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E at Ability.com. And be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.